0: For those of you who don't know me yet, I'm Gabe Kiora, the new pastor here at Elam Dunedin. Thank you so much for that amazing video, um, for putting it together, and for saying happy birthday. It was uh, a little bit unsubtle of me <laughs> to let you know that it was my birthday next week. But because it's 40, I thought we, we could at least mark it. It's great to be here with you, people of the Holy Spirit. I'm also just wanting to highlight for you, excited that next month is Tareo Language Month, so we all get to learn a little bit of Maori, if you don't already know some Tareo, and so we're going to be learning the Lord's Prayer together, uh, trying to say some Christian greetings and phrases as well. And something so powerful when we get to share in each other's languages. I uh, go to a swimming pool with my kids uh, for swimming lessons and I saw uh, a, a guy, I thought he might be Brazilian. As soon as I heard him start to speak, he was, I was like, that, that guy is from Brazil. So I was like, brasileiro, como vai, tudo bem? And he's like, yeah, beleza. I was like, what, you know, so just began the conversation. He's like, oh, you speak Portuguese. I was like, yes, bro. And my favorite words are, let's go for barbecue (laughs) and so immediately we began to connect he had a huge smile over his face there's something so powerful when we learn one another's languages when we speak in tongues we got to speak the language of heaven and please the heart of God and we'll have opportunity to learn some Tareo here and also learn how to be a blessing through uh, the language we're still on our journey of faith. Thank you so much for praying. A month now until we're here. We'll be here in town on the 6th of September and still don't know the doorstep we're gonna be stepping over, uh, but a month is more than long enough for God, amen? And uh, I hear that he might send me uh, for a trial, um, maybe renting in Moscow. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm back in the a lot today, I'm sorry. Anyone here from Moscow? bless you the lord keep you make his face to to shine upon you <laughs> Do check out Adam's message from last week. Uh, he's now doing growth track. If any of you need to do growth track, we're running it now and in November. So there's a great opportunity, particularly if you're one of our students, to, to be with him and just catch a vision for what God is doing in your life. Now, before we get into today's continuation of the series, Is That You, Lord? Wanted to just encourage you this morning with a testimony. So we're asking avert one of our staff members, to come and share a great story about how God's come through for her dad. Let's welcome her this morning.
1: Thank you, Gabe. Maybe I should challenge you guys and do the testimony in Afrikaans. How about that? Since we're doing languages. Yeah, so good morning, everyone. Um, When I was preparing for this testimony, um, one of the questions that came to mind is, why do we do testimonies? And two things came to mind. First of all is, it stirs our faith. It helps us through those dark times and difficult times to remember what God has done. And second of all, it, it uh, reminds us of his character and his ability. Um, so our te- my testimony starts with, um, uh, on the 20th of June this year. I called my father. Um, in South Africa, Father's Day is on the 20th of June or the third Sunday of June. And um, he told me he's, he's got COVID. So two things you need to know about my dad is he's already 66 years old. Um, and he already had pre-existing heart conditions. So that was not a good setup for him, having COVID. And um, yeah, so after 10 days um, of him having COVID, my stepmom called me and she said, "Um, Yvette, you've got to pray. Uh, I've done everything I can. Um, So just to color the picture a bit more, is they didn't have health insurance. The South African public hospitals are already chock and block full. Um, they, she couldn't get an ambulance for him to carry him to the hospital. So they were at its end. Um, I literally in that moment thought, okay, this is it. My dad's going to die. And um, so she said, hey, let's start praying. And um, of course I did. And I asked Lois and the prayer team to, to pray as well. And the very next morning, my stepmom called me, and she said, hey, uh, God did a great miracle for us. Um, The the previous day, he sent a doctor. So this doctor lives only a few kilometers from them, um, but he was actually on his way to another town. But, but God, God, um, I wouldn't say that, but his car broke down. God allowed for his car to break down. And because of that, he had to come back home to where my dad was. And he then offered to treat my dad free of charge, and he took care of of my dad all those time. He was sick for free. That in itself was provision. So um, from there on, it was touch and go. My dad said afterwards. He said, every day I woke up, I was like, I faced the the angel of death. He, he knew that he was very close to death, and uh, but God pulled him through. And He's still recuperating, but he's very well. He's off his oxygen, and he's moved from saying two words without taking a breath, uh, with, after which he would take a breath, to talking full sentences. He's up. He's active again. Uh, he's thinking of his next uh, big design or project. So he's doing so well. And, um, yeah, I just want to give all the glory to God. He's come through for us. And I want to say thank you to Lois and the prayer group. This is a great testimony of God's provision, His power to heal, uh, even if it's in different ways, and also um, just the, the power of prayer. So I hope it encourages you, and I pray that you will remember this testimony in the time that you need it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the
0: opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much, to Yvette. You know, Yvette does an amazing job. She's our operations manager, makes sure everything functions well. And so, if you see her on Sunday, do encourage her in the great job that she's doing. Great to see Emil running around with his uh, child earlier. Dude, you better make sure you got your step counter on. Good exercise. If you've got kids or if you've got young ones, please don't feel under any pressure if your child starts to cry. I got three. It happens. Just forget, forget about people around you. Enjoy the word of God. Enjoy being together. Um, if they start screaming, maybe they might be hungry. But um, other than that, please, please feel free. Please feel free. Um, So just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I started this series, Is That You, Lord? And just wanted to encourage you with a testimony. I started on looking at serving and serving uh, as part of who we're called to be as the people of God. And one of the students in the ministry came to me and said, Gabe, I've got a testimony that hits that straight on the head. Now, some of you have wished that you could erase these memories from your mind, but do you remember when you used to flat with other students and no one wanted to do the cleaning? and someone spilled beer on the floor and never mopped it up, and someone left food on the ceiling when they had that little food fight and never did anything about it, and all of that good stuff. So anyway, this, uh, one of our church members was in that context, and he decided in his heart, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. And so without saying anything to anyone else, he just started doing the washing up every once a week. Every single week for a period of time, they would wake up, and all of the dishes had been cleaned. His brother went around to visit him a few weeks later, the house was spotless. Simply because he took a servant leadership step, he stepped out and just began to quietly be a blessing to his housemates. They had all got on a rotor and they were polishing the floor, they were painting the ceiling, they were going all out to make sure that their home was a good home. That's the difference you can make when you as a Christian step into a context as a servant leader and take the position that Jesus did Be a blessing to people that you get to be a blessing around. And can I just say, if you are a young person right now, you will go on a trajectory of growth in your stature and in your career, but never ever get too big to serve. If you see someone who's become too big to serve, look at them, smile, look back at Jesus, carry on following Jesus. You don't wanna follow people who aren't willing to serve. We're called to be people who serve every context that the Lord gives us, amen? I want to read two passages of Scripture for us this morning. The first is Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. I'm sure we'll know this well. And then second, Acts 1, verse 8. First 1, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Second verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." These two verses are verses that more than any other have shaped me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Nearly every month, someone would be quoting these verses in the context of church. And having sat in thousands of church services, I heard these words a lot. And I don't know whether it's because we're Pentecostal and we all need a little bit of power or... (laughs) maybe because I was part of a discipleship church, but these two really formed my thinking about who we are called to be as followers of Jesus. And in fact, uh, this is something that spoke to me on quite a deep level because I grew up going to church. I would get taken every week by my mom and my grandma, my mom and me, and my brothers would sit in a row, third row, every single week listening to the preacher in Elam Coventry Church. Um, But then I spent a good five-year chunk away from Jesus from 18 to 23. I intentionally did not want to go to church. I did not want to follow God. But every now and then I would have a conversation with God. God, I know I'm not talking to you right now, right? So don't start talking to me. But I know I'm not talking to you right now. But if I do ever go back to be a Christian, I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want to be a Monday to Sunday Christian. I want this faith to become part of who I am every single day. And the moment I stepped back into church, they had something for me to do every single day, (laughs) let me tell you that. Now whether you want to grow in authentic faith, or perhaps you're really seeking God to go to a new level in your gifting, spiritually speaking, to see the power of God manifest through your life, The place of innovation, the place where that happens, the place where you grow is the place where we're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to life. That might be with a family member, a friend, it might be with a colleague, it might be with a stranger, it might be with an enemy. God calls us to be people that live the gospel, that are on mission right where God has placed us. And for me, I ask myself the question today, why would I want it any other way? There's been nothing more fulfilling in my life than to follow Jesus and serve him in every context. And so for some of you, that might look like engaging in personal evangelism. I often hear Christians say, oh, I've never done, seen personal evangelism done well, so I don't do it. Hey, we can all get better at communicating. We can all get better at sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, you have the people that, bless them, are out there saying, you go to hell if you don't follow Jesus. I'd much rather be preaching the reality that Jesus sets us free from sin so that we can live a life of fullness and love, so that we can walk with God, so that we can enjoy him. I don't want to get out of hell free card. I want a life that is filled with purpose, following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that might look like personal evangelism to you. Right now, short-term missions and long-term missions might not be possible with the whole COVID situation, but all of us are called to be people that live on mission, to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to people right here, right now, and whether you're the person who will go with a quiet whisper, excuse me, can I just tell you about Jesus? or the loud roar, you need to get saved in the name of Jesus. Whichever person you are, we are called to be people that live to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, you may be thinking, Gabe, this is like message number four, and you're already weighing in on mission. And I just say this to you, I was reflecting on this. This is a good idea. Um, sometimes I have good ideas, sometimes I have God ideas, and I hope that this is a God idea rather than a good idea. But what was speaking to me at, the moment, at that time and that moment of reflection was this. I, like you, experience real life. I got three kids, six, three, and one. The next time I have a six-year-old, three-year-old, one-year-old, I'll do a much better job. We're trying to pack up one house, trying to buy a, a house here, getting ready with church and taking on the management responsibility behind the scenes. There's lots of stuff going on, and I could easily be firefighting all the way through, but I began to think, there's a verse in Scripture that speaks to me here. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw purpose in his mission for the joy that was set before him. He saw that God had sent him with a, uh, with a passion to reach out to the lost, and it's that that gave everything else meaning. And for me, I need to remind myself, I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as to you, to remind myself why I'm here, why I'm willing to go through another move, move number five for me and my family. Why am I willing to come and be in a place right down in the bottom of of South Island of of New Zealand? Because I believe God's got mission for me here. I believe there's a call of God on my life to be here. What motivates us? The joy that's set before us. I want to use Timothy as our example for discussing this morning. Last time it was Joseph, this time Timothy. There's some great riches that um, he experienced in his life that I hope to learn from my own life. Now, to give a bit of context... Paul is now on his second missionary journey. He's done one round of mission through Galatia. He's now coming back for round two to encourage the churches that he previously planted, and he comes back to a town called Lystra. In Acts 16 verse 1, we pick up the story where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the Jews of the area, Uh, by, By the believers in Lystra and Iconium, sorry. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. And Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day." Now, this Timothy, who's now setting off with Paul, didn't pop out of the womb a ready-formed missionary. He, in fact, was born in a Gentile context, not having been exposed to the gospel, not having heard about Jesus Christ. But just a few years before this incident, a man called Paul came through his town. That man who came through his town brought the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And it wasn't just teaching, it was teaching with power. There was a man who would sit in the town square who was himself uh, crippled, and so he was unable to walk. And Paul came in and spoke to him and told him to get up in the name of Jesus. The man got up and started to run around. And all of a sudden, all the people that observed this man now healed came, and they were saying, Barnabas is Zeus, and Paul is Hermes. They are gods, Greek gods. They've come to show the power of God to us. And they were saying, no, 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 no. We follow Jesus. And it's in that context that this young man, Timothy, had got born again. He had come to Christ out of a Gentile context because of this demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some years later, he is now being called by Paul to become his mission assistant. Now this is significant because he's not the first mission assistant. There was another guy called Mark, who was Barnabas' cousin, and he'd been brought along on the mission, and he had got sick of, um, he'd missed his mom's cooking. He got sick of his, his staying in a tent. He wanted to be back in his home comfort. So he abandoned mission partway through. And so much did this wound Paul that the next time they were going on mission two, Barnabas was like, let's take Mark. And Paul's like, nah, forget Mark. He's a waster. He missed the call of God. I want to find someone else. And their disagreement was so sharp that they went separate ways. Paul went off on his own. He's like, Barnabas, taking this guy, Mark. I'm going to find me a new, passionate, spirit filled man. And so they picked Timothy. Quick pause, word of encouragement. Maybe you abandoned God or people when you were on mission. You were part of a team or part of uh, serving someone and you gave up in the middle. Maybe you had a trial, maybe you had a difficulty. The great thing about Mark is that we all know Mark today. Gospel of Mark, written by the guy who ran away from a mission. Mark, Paul later said of him at the end of um, 2 Timothy, bring John Mark for me. He's good for ministry. He's good to serve. Something had happened, he'd grown. So if you're here and you've made a huge mess up, can I tell you that the gospel of grace is a gospel of grace for a reason? All of us get second chances, third chances, 50 chances. As many times as we need forgiveness, we got chances. So he gets called in this context. He gets called into this position. He's now feeling the pressure Paul, this man of God, has called me to be his assistant. But something happened. He began to follow the call of God on his life. And I want to just explore some of that transformation that happened in him and that can happen in you and has happened in me and continues to as we explore the call of God. So often when we think about mission, we think about going somewhere else to be a blessing to some other people, whoever they may be and it might be a week, it might be two weeks, it might be a month, whatever it might be. But so often what happens on mission is we get taken out of our context for our heart to be transformed, for our way of seeing the world to be radically shifted, and then when we come back, life is different. Now, we might not have opportunity to go, they've closed the, the bubble again, so no more Aussie for us. Some of you are going on mission, right? To the Gold Coast, to tell the truth, shame the devil. But we're here, but maybe this message this morning might be the lift to think, to question, to get put back into your context and think about how we can live differently for God. So in London, I used to challenge men to get out there and share the gospel. And we'd do that practically. It wasn't just a, let's go out guys and do something good for Jesus. It was this date, this time, we are meeting in this place. Piccadilly Circus was often the place we'd go once a month. We'd go and stand there, and we'd engage people, one-on-one conversation, or we'd stand on the steps and preach. One time, Boris Johnson, when he was mayor, came cycling by. We're like, Boris, Boris, called him over. Ten minutes he listened to us. We told him about Jesus. He goes, well, fellas, to be, to be quite honest with you, I think everything you've just said to me is a load of claptrap, but I respect you for being out here telling people about what you believe. Keep doing it. I was like, all right, well, Thank you, Boris, didn't need your approval, but we will keep doing it, <laughs> hallelujah, and one day you'll be saved in Jesus' name. Um, but sometimes we couldn't be outside because it, it was raining, London, rain, here cold, London rain, and cold. Um, but sometimes then we'd be forced to go to Westfield, yes, the Aussies have invaded London as well with their shopping centers. And so we'd have Westfield, London, and we'd go in and they have security cameras everywhere so we couldn't do big group stuff, but we'd go two by two. One time I was telling my group of men, we're going out to Westfield, comes to me and says, Gabe, I just want to tell you because I respect you, I'm not coming. Why? Because I've never done that kind of thing before and I think it's a bit weird I'm freaked out. Can you just come one time? Just one time. If you don't like it, no problem. I'll put you with our best evangelist. So he came along. He's about that tall, shorter guy than me. And I send him off. And as supervisor, I would go around and check out all of the different groups and make sure everyone's not got stuck in some heated debate or someone's threatening to kill them because they're a Christian, whatever. You know, it's It's a bit dangerous town, London, you know. Um, And I come across this young man. And he's on his own. I was like, where's your mission, buddy? he's standing, three guys, all taller than me, looking up to them going, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? I was like, what happened to you, man? Just a minute ago, you weren't coming. He said, ah, I saw how easy it was with the first one. I just thought, let me go for it. Sometimes we just need to step out. Sometimes we just need to take a step of faith and see what God will do. And he was bringing a message of hope. He wasn't there telling them they were going to hell. He was there telling them of a God who loved them, that he could give them hope in the middle of their difficulty. He could free them from their sin. Uh, And it became part of his reality. He was a professional dancer, and he'd take the gospel message then to all of his colleagues to share about Jesus. Something shifted in him the moment that he went on mission. We're called to be on mission wherever God has placed us. And can I just say this? Mission doesn't end because we start a career. Mission doesn't end because we have a child, if I can say that to you respectfully. I got three. Luke was going out on the street evangelizing at six months in his pram with his mother. Jesus doesn't stop just because we have children. Of course, you might need sleep. Who needs sleep? But please, let me encourage you, keep some perspective, or perhaps that great Kiwi agenda. Buy a house, build a deck, make it your castle. It has its place, but it's not the purpose of our life. We all need a home, but let that home be for the service of Jesus. Let it be a place where we bring people to experience the gospel through our life. You know, until Dunedin is saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we got work to do. So whatever you've got on your agenda, Let me encourage you to consider where Jesus sits in that context. Ouch, okay. (laughs) Can you be our pastor sometime soon? Sometimes I'm a bit just straight up. You'll have to get used to it. I'm not going anywhere. Number one, then, my first point. (laughs) Made a few points, but my first point. Open your heart to mission. Open your heart to mission. I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, I actively did not want to hear the voice of God in any way, shape, or form. I actively resisted hearing God. Why? Because every church context I found myself in, there was some pastor like me preaching about the call of God, and they were always talking about the call of God to be a missionary to China. And I was like, God, I don't want you to call me collect and tell me you're in Beijing and need me to come help you out. So I'm just going to ignore you totally. And so I would literally resist God. My attitude, or maybe even my fear, of being called to missions meant that in reality, I did not hear God in any other way because I didn't want to hear him. I didn't want him to slip in a little command. I love spending time with you, Jesus. Oh, that's good, Gabe. Time to go to Timbuktu. I didn't want any of that. But God began to move in my heart where I got brought to a place where I willingly wanted to involve, get involved in mission. All of us are called to go on mission. And for me, it began in following and, and serving Colin Dye. I shared a little bit of um, my experience with him earlier in the two messages ago. But if I had resisted God, I would have missed out on the 40 or more short-term missions that I was able to go on with Colin bringing the message of hope and of life and love and transformation to people's lives. If I had kept my heart closed to mission, how many people would I have not had opportunity to minister to? Timothy opened his heart to mission. He had been a faithful disciple. He would grown in the teachings of his mom and his grandma. Um, he's followed these teachings that he's heard since Paul's first mission but now he's getting called to literally go and take the gospel with him wherever he went. And it wasn't just an easy step for Timothy to take. He had to leave behind mama's cooking. Can you imagine leaving behind mama's cooking so you just get baked beans on toast from the microwave? But more than that, he had to, as an adult man, get circumcised. Ouch! Ouch! to be able to go on mission. I mean, the guy made some sacrifices just to be able to follow Paul. But he stepped out in faith. All of us are called to step out in faith. And for me, one of the great experiences of of serving with Colin, as I mentioned, is i got to go on many, many missions. And on those missions, I discover things that I thought were amazing. They shaped my mind. They challenged me. They extended me. I'm thinking, first up, when I'm traveling with Colin, we're going to be going to the thousands. And yes, we did go and preach in... in, in, uh, crusades and in uh, stadiums, and stadiums full of people of God coming to worship Jesus and encouraging thousands of pastors, all of that was great. But the more time I spent with Colin, the more I realized he actually cared more about small groups. So he'd particularly ask for 10 or 12 people who perhaps didn't know Jesus, or people who were emerging leaders in the church, and go spend time with them. And I think, wow, that's amazing. And each was shaping my outlook and shaping my perspective on the purpose that God has called us to of being disciples. It's pretty hard to do discipleship like this. Some of you I'm gonna to get to spend one-on-one time with and you'll be taking some steps in Jesus' name. But let me tell you a few stories of things that I've discovered over time. First one is uh, um, one of the countries I've been to on mission is Mali. I'd asked if we could get a image up but because the internet's not working, we'll just have to imagine. You know Africa and there's the equator so Africa's got a fat bit at the top and then a long bit down the side. It's on the fat bit over here, your side, this fat bit over here, North Africa above the equator, um, ab- it's kind of desert, just above the desert space, and um, really a heavily Muslim-influenced north and then a Christian south. Um, but we would go there to encourage the churches in Bamako about Jesus. But one time I was there on mission and I was like, I'm tired of coming to conferences. You know, how many, I can't imagine how many conferences I've actually seen. I'm tired of going to conferences. God, I want to go do the real work of preaching the gospel. And so I said, can we go out and preach the gospel? Quick aside, both are legitimate, out there doing the pioneering work and encouraging pastors who are doing the pioneering work. They're very important missions. Um, but I wanted to go out and preach the gospel. So I said, let's go. So they put us in a Jeep, and the Jeep had about that much foam on the seat, And uh, we're on the road, I'm thinking this is okay, you know, an hour, and then we pulled off the road onto the dirt track, and suddenly I'm bouncing up and down, my head's touching the roof, and then they pull off to the horse track. It felt like we were going up and down the Himalayas every single time we went on that path. And then we come to a village. It's a strange thing to come to a village where there's no sign of the village until you get there. If you're here and you're driving through town, you'll suddenly start to see street lights, signs, suddenly the whole place lights up at night. This was literally pulling up to mud huts, no electricity, no running water, people running around with wind-up torches. Nothing to do after dark. And so we turn up, go to the chief and say, Chief, can we please preach the gospel here? He's a Muslim man. He's shining his torch on his feet as we talk. He's about 65, and I'm freaked out. Everyone else is talking. I'm just like, what is going on with the guy's feet? He had one foot, old man foot. You know, nails that you've you know, been growing for the last 15 years and never had them clean kind of thing. And the other foot looked like my foot. It was like a 21-year-old fresh skin, no hair, trim nails. I was like, what kind of witchcraft is this? This is insane. So I'm thinking, oh... Oh, we're into it now. We've got to go out and preach the gospel. And so we went to the town square and literally about 150 people get called out to the town square. They're sitting around the outside. One Jeep is pointing this way with the lights on so that we can see them. The other Jeep is pointing this way with the lights on us so they can see us. And me and my French colleague stood up and began to preach the gospel. I was thinking, we got got too many bridges to build here if we're trying to go to the Word of God. So I took a story right out of the Word of God. I began to talk about a young man who wanted his inheritance early and how he'd gone to his father and said, I want my inheritance, old man. And immediately the old fellas at the back, what kind of son is this? Immediately the response, they're all having a separate meeting on their own. If it was our village, he'd be cast out straight away. The story of the prodigal son. But it was a great bridge to connect with people who'd never had a context for God or for the gospel. And we began to teach them about how God sent Jesus to restore the prodigal son to the father. They sat, they listened, they got it. There was revelation happening. And then I said, does anyone want Jesus? No hands. I traveled for three hours. I'd made the sacrifice of knowing that I wouldn't be able to sit down comfortably for another two weeks to get to these people from the other side of the world. They'd never even heard of the country that I was from to tell them about Jesus and no one responds. And I was in that moment, what do you do? So I took a step of faith. Does anyone here need healing? They don't have doctors, they don't have toothbrushes. When they say they have teeth problems, it's because their teeth are falling out. Anyone have problems? Yep, teeth problems, back problems, pains, aches, everything going on, Okay. Reach up to heaven or we'll pray in the name of Jesus. Reach up to heaven, pray in the name of Jesus. How many of you feel different? You've been healed. They're going, look at my teeth. Pain's gone. Standing up straight. Oh, we've been healed. How many of you want Jesus now? Same people that got healed, stuck their hand in the air, and came to Christ. It was incredible. Suddenly that uh, three-hour journey there and three-hour journey back was filled with meaning. Because a handful, maybe 15, maybe 20 people gave their life to Jesus in that space. But it was the step of faith. You don't have to be in a mud hut village in the middle of Africa to take a step of faith. Sometimes it's just crossing the road to the person you see walking down the street with a walking stick or a crutch. Someone, sometimes it's going to someone who you know is in pain. Can I pray with you? Some, most often we're like, oh, but Jesus, is that you? Do you, what if you don't answer my prayer? What if you don't really want to heal them? Can I just say that it's not going to be anyone else except for Jesus? <laughs> the devil doesn't want you on mission. So he's not going to be saying, here's a good idea. Go pray for that person. If you feel the prompting, listen to God. He's chatting to you. So I got challenged to take a step of faith. Another place we went to was Mauritius. Now, Mauritius is a beautiful place to go to, and if you've ever heard of it, you'll think of Blue Seas and, and scuba diving, snorkeling, and five-star hotels, but you'd have people spending more on one meal in the hotel than the average policeman is paid for a month's work. So a huge disparity, and the need for the gospel of hope is real, but Christians are not able to gather easily there. It's a Hindu nation. When Christians come together, particularly publicly, Hindus turn up and burn the building that they're in. And so they don't gather publicly to speak. often they do have their church buildings, but to see them gather is, is not allowed legally. And we began to ask questions, how can we make a real difference here? And one of the ways I was able to make a real difference is I led the dive center owner to the Lord. Now can you imagine that? A guy who's in a boat with 30 different people every single day of every single week for the whole of his life being a Christian. He gets to preach Jesus whenever he has opportunity. Incredible. And so while we might have big opportunities or small opportunities, the opportunity to be on mission can bring transformation to people's lives. Back to Timothy. Timothy made sacrifices. He's on journey with Paul and he begins to gain experience as he goes around. He sits with Paul as Paul teaches. He sees the breakthrough as they proclaim miracles and healing. He gets to labor in prayer with Paul as they're praying for the various churches they've been to and comes to the point where he's been so prepared that Paul is able to say to him, go ahead of me, go to the next town, we'll be there in a couple of weeks. I need you to take over this church, Timothy, can you lead it? As a young man, he gets put in charge of many churches and particularly the church in Ephesus. As he committed his heart to mission, something happened. Now, I do not want to see all of you trying to become pastors in churches. I want to see you trying to become pastors and evangelists in your workplace, amongst the colleagues that you spend time with, with your fano who don't yet know Jesus, reaching out to the glory of God. And there will be challenges on the way. A couple more stories for you. One was Brazil. If you go to Brazil, it's a, it's a beautiful country. And you might be forgiven for thinking that it's a deeply Christian country as you drive around because Jesus is Lord is emblazoned everywhere. But you will sit with people and find they can be telling you Jesus is Lord while, their life, while they bring their income through prostitution and drug dealing. They can tell you that Jesus is Lord, but they're not following Christ in any meaningful way. And the challenge became real when we start to ask, what does it mean for us to be here making a difference? And the one that I got a lot of inspiration from was the pastor we worked with. He was a gang member, was a drug dealer. He came to Christ radically, and we would go with him to the seven churches that he'd planted. Can you imagine? He was based in London, planting churches in Brazil. Seven, and he'd go two, three times a year and go around the churches and encourage them. And I thought, wow, if just one life can get touched by the glory of God, we can see transformation happen. And that, that began to challenge me as to, to my faith and expectation of what God would do with and through us or with and through you. But then situations are real and are difficult. Another place we'd go to was Romania. I'd take my Bible college students And we'd be preparing and I'd say to them, listen, you're going to get there and think that you're God's gift to the church. You're going to get there and think that you're going to bring a difference. Because on this side, there is the men. On that side, there's the women. Men are allowed to preach. Women must wear headscarves and not allowed to preach. You know, the lot of tradition in the context that they had. You're going to think that your responsibility is to change their culture. Can I just tell you, that's not your goal. Your goal is to keep preaching the gospel of Jesus, not change a culture um, to fit your culture. And as they began to preach, they began to see change because what was happening was they were, there was a disconnect between where the churches were ministering and the people they were called to minister to. These churches were nice and structured and orderly and traditional, but they weren't touching real needs. Let me tell you about one real need. We went to a town sorry, a village, where we went to visit a solo mom whose oldest daughter was in a wheelchair and who had two other girls, but one of them, a 13-year-old girl, was sitting with her newborn baby on her knee. Now, it is normal in that part of Romania to have 25-year-old grandmothers. It's normal to have 50-year-olds marrying 12-year-olds. It's part of the culture. And what's happening was that these 12-year-old, 13-year-old moms didn't have a place to sit in church because they didn't fit the category. So we went to sit with them in their home. Can you imagine? Uh, you can't imagine. I couldn't imagine until they told me afterwards. A visitor from overseas spending half a day in someone's home will be a memory that lasts for a decade because no one comes to visit their homes, because no one comes to sit and have a cup of tea. That's the reality of their situation that they find themselves in. There are real challenges out there that we are called to be part of bringing the gospel of grace to. And the most important message of all is that our heavenly father loves his children. That you can be a son or daughter of God. You can be adopted into his family. You can experience the grace of God for yourself. And that's what Timothy carried. So much so that it was the way that Paul referred to him. My true son in the faith. There's something about the way Timothy responded to Paul that he understood that he was a son. We are all called to be sons to God, daughters to God, and then bring that with us when we go on mission to people all around us. So one was open our heart to mission. Two, take a step of faith. Three, prepare for the challenges. And four is adopt a lifestyle of mission. We can't right now jump on a plane and go overseas, but we can right now make a difference to the people around us. Jesus said, bring the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Maybe some of you might one day get called to be a missionary to Australia. They need Jesus. But while we're not able to do that, how about this? Central Dunedin, South Dunedin, Moskiel. We need some faithful missionaries to get out to Moskiel, to the Samaritans over there. And then the ends of the earth, Auckland. Maybe Auckland needs the gospel of Jesus right now. We can make a difference to family, to friends, to colleagues, just two houses along. There are guys who pee on their own house. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unless we do it here, we're not gonna do it there. Unless we start to embrace a life of mission now, we're not gonna suddenly go overseas and become superstar missionaries. You might be saying, Gabe, I'm not gifted, I'm not able. Open your heart to become a missionary. Step out by faith. Your capacity to love and to be a blessing is more intrinsically powerful than being a gifted communicator. You being able to clumsily share love with someone is much better than to have the thousand words to try to convince someone. So if you can love, you can make a difference in the hearts of someone's life. Mission is never easy. For me, journeying towards Dunedin was a journey. Ray, who I've got to stay with at the moment, Ray and his wife Claire, Ray sat me down the other week and he goes, you're really a missionary to Dunedin, aren't you? I was like, oh, that's a good way of looking at it. But mission life isn't easy. I had to choose to say goodbye to London. I hadn't yet at the point in time at which I was discussing this with the Lord. Lord, is this you? I hadn't yet come to the place of saying goodbye to friends who I may never see again. Hopefully get to at least go on holiday to, to London. But there was all of this wrestle going on in my life. But then I asked God, is this you, Lord? Is this you? Is Dunedin you? Glenorchy, you know Glenorchy? Queenstown, keep going another 40 minutes. Mission hall there, sitting with Jesus, wrestling with these questions. God, what do I do? Is this you? And he says to me, I want you to love this people like I love this people, serve this people like I serve this people, heal this people like I heal this people. I want you to unite this people like I would unite them and love this land like I love it. Immediately I realized my mission is here. Your mission while you're in Dunedin is here to serve the people around you to be a blessing to people around you, to bring the love of God to people around you. Imagine what this church would look like if our heart was for the lost, for people who need Jesus. There'd be no one that we wouldn't be afraid to share the gospel with. Like I said, Dunedin saturated with the gospel is our mission. Can I pray for you? Lord, I want to lift up every single member of this house today. I want to thank you, Father, for your call upon their life. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that the ultimate purpose sits for us in serving Jesus and loving Jesus in the community that he has placed around us. That every time we get to love a difficult person, we're getting to love Christ. Every time we get to be a blessing to someone around us, we're getting to serve you, Jesus. Every time we get to go into difficult circumstances and bring hope, we're getting to follow you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that the cup of cold water, the meal, the, the jacket is an opportunity for us to serve someone and bring you. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you'd move upon our hearts to be, become a mission-minded people that today might be the lift and the challenge and the question that we ask ourselves, how am I bringing Jesus into my day-to-day routines and my day-to-day lifestyle of being out there for Jesus? Lord, I thank you, Father, that we begin to see shifting in people that have been the hardest opposition right now, that they would come to Jesus. Just say when I was at uni, I was the worst guy. I'd play death metal and new metal at the top of the speakers, you know, as loud as the speakers could go. My Christian flatmates would be freaking out. Um, If only they knew that I'd be a pastor today after all of the things that they went through with me. All the things you go through with people, you don't know what seed you're sowing into their life. But you will bring hope if you bring the gospel. Bless you very much in
1: Jesus' name.